The Face of Latina Professionals propels women of color to reach their highest potential through education, community, and self-development. Join us as we come together to provide a platform for Latina voices to connect and be heard on the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. Today, I'm joined by Anahil Garcia, Executive Director of the Office of Academic... <clears throat> How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Latina Professionals podcast. Today, I'm joined by Anahil Garcia, Executive Director of the Office of Academic Effectiveness at St. Augustine College and founder and director of Illinois Venezuelan Alliance, a 5013C organization. Anahil, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. You know, I'm, it's really my honor to be uh, today, you know, just talking to you, Tony. The honor is all mine. And you are doing some incredible things uh, for others. It's just so exciting. And, and to be able to champion someone like you, is it really is an honor. So originally from Venezuela. Yes, Actually, yeah, I am from Venezuela, but uh, I have to say that I was born on an island. Oh, no way. In the Caribbean, right. Really? You know, it's Margarita Island. That's my place. Uh, my family lives there. I was born in a very small town called Boca del Pozo. Okay. Um, so my mother was uh, a nurse there for more than 25 years. Actually, she was the pioneer in, the, in that small town. Um, so, you know, um, my father met my mother in that uh, small town. Um, and I was the only one actually born in that uh, small town because my six, my other sisters, who are five sisters and two brothers, they were born in Port Lamar, uh, which is, you know, the closest uh, probably uh, town or largest town, you know, in the island, right? Wow. What was that like? Did you, were you, I mean, you were born there. Were you raised there then? Yes. Actually, I went to, I did my, uh, my, my preschool, actually, um, you know, they, some sort of preschool, right? Because uh, we, we uh, by that time, there was, um, you know, this um, lady that was my, somebody that my mother knew, and, and she, um, and she took me, you know, to, um, to her home, and she was kind of, you know, a daycare center, something like that, similar to that. Um, so, but then, um, yeah, I went to my primary school, and my secondary school in Port Lamar. Wow. Now, Growing up was leaving the island something that you guys did on a regular basis, or is that like, uh, you know, something that happened much later on in life? Well, you know, the the life in an island um, is something like uh, you always wanted to go back. Okay, you know, even though um, uh, when I completed my high school, that was only one university in the island. Um, so you, like you literally spend your whole life on this island, right? Exactly. Wow. You know, my my youth was right, there, right, right. and then after that, you know, I needed to go to Caracas, which is the capital city where mm. you know most universities were. Mm. So I went there. I went to Caracas, but of course, you know, every summer, every Easter week, um, carnival, you know, that was going to my island. Wow, <laughs> was that something that you grew up like seeing yourself as being? different from others that were from the mainland, if you will, where you're, you're like, did you see yourself as an island girl? Oh, definitely. I think, really? uh, I, and, and people were always, you know, we, we have this, um, in Venezuela, um, uh, people in the main island, uh, main uh, island, you know, main, main mainland, island, so, right. uh, you know, they, they say that we speak too fast, <laughs> right? They said, oh, Margariteña, oh my God, please slow down. <laughs> no way. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, um, in, in my, 
Um, just doing some of, of, of research, I came across with something that uh, was um, published in the Scientific American magazine, and they were explaining the reasons why Islanders, you know, they speak fast, and, and not only fast, but they also speak very loud. And I and that was really I connected with that, uh, you know, with those um, research findings because I said, oh my God, that's so true, you know. Uh, we speak fast and we speak loud just because we really the wave of the of the sea, you know, really has a sound. Interesting. And we don't really perceive the sound because every day. You know, you listen to the sound. Right. It's like, you know, you live very close to a railroad and you know, you know, Absolutely. the train just becomes Absolutely. something that is very familiar to your sound, Absolutely. right? To your ears. So that's just, uh, and I said, that is absolutely right. Wow. So, yeah. That's that was, very cool. I mean, usually <laughs> I would think of the opposite. You know, island, maybe speak slower, but no, you're right. It makes sense now that you think about right. it. Right. It's, it's just, you know, you, you started speaking and you're going, um, uh, it's like a chasing the, the, uh, the wave. The, the motion of right, the wave. Right, the motion of the wave. Wow, right. that's so cool. So now you, you go to uh, the mainland, you go to Venezuela, you go to college. You know, what? What? where at what point did you make it to the United States or leave Venezuela as a whole? What was uh, your first age that you got to do that? Well, you know, when I went to Caracas, of course, you know, Caracas is always, um, um, you know, I, I think any parent... Uh, when they in Venezuela, in particular, and, and I think it probably most um, countries, when they send their kids to college, uh, they usually send their kids to the main uh, cities, right? Sure. Um, and there is mm-hmm. always this concern about you know what is going to happen to them. So my my mother, like they're never going to come back. Exactly. Gotcha. You know my yeah. my father was uh, always very resistant to um, for to, to you know, really to educate uh, his um, girls, particularly, unfortunately, but. Uh, but my mother was so pro-education that she said everybody here is going to go to college. I don't have any, I don't have any land. I don't have any jewelry. I don't have any money in the bank. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything. But I do have something which is ganas for you to go to, <laughs> uh, to to college. That's amazing. So um, yeah, and and one of the, uh, of course, you know, we have the the, the beauty and uh, in the country that uh, higher education was free. So, uh, so we are um, six sisters, two brothers. All of us went to college. We are all uh, college professionals. Wow, right? that's so amazing! Right. I'm sure your so, but, are so I, proud. but but I was the only one that went to Caracas. Then um, uh, in Caracas, I graduated. Um, I'm a biologist by training. Okay. So, uh, so you know, I graduated, but I really, what I wanted to do was just, you know, I wanted to teach biology. And that's really, I really wanted to be in the classroom. Aww. So I went to this teacher's college and I graduated from there, you know, as a, as a uh, biology teaching uh, degree. Okay. So then um, I met my, my ex-husband there. Um, so at the end of my, uh, of, of, you know, of my four years uh, degree. Um, so at the end of my bachelor's and... So and then uh, I, I was thinking my father was such a rigid and a strong um, guy that I said I don't think I want to go back to the island you know mm. because my uh, I probably too strict exactly it's too strict you know and and once you go to Caracas you know that and you are living on your own you know the, 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 there are major differences of course you know I, I learned how to. Uh, to behave, and I learned how to <laughs> uh, to take care of myself and all those things. And and I have I was living with family uh, from my father's side. You know they they were 
kind of hosting me for four years. Mm. Um, so they became dad and mom uh, uh, somehow, you know. For because, sure, for sure. You mean you're there, Exactly. Right? Yeah. You know, I was there. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, and then I met my, my husband and, um, and we married uh, right after I, I finished my, my bachelor's. Okay. And uh, he has completed his the, the year before. Uh, he is about, you know, 11 years older than I am. Uh, he was coming from another university, transferring from another university into the, uh, he is um, um, a chemist. Okay. So, both, you know, we were, exactly, exactly, were exactly in the same. So, you know, uh, I, I think that the first time that I came to the United States was for my honeymoon. No way. Yeah. That's Where did you guys go? <laughs> we went to Orlando, no. of course. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to tell you, that was, I think, at the beginning of of, um, uh, of the whole uh, the, um, Walt Disney. Right, right, you know, right. Uh, there was not too many things to see in Orlando by that time. Um, and then, um, you know, after that, I went back to Venezuela. Um, so so I, when you went on your honeymoon, that was the first time leaving Venezuela as a yes, country? Yes, wow, exactly. That's cool. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. But, you know, Venezuelans used to travel a lot, of mm. course, you know, before all these tragedies that sure, we're living sure. right now. Um, and, and so, you know, we, the, that was one of the presents that we received you know, uh, when, gotcha, uh, when, when you got right, married. Exactly, when we got married. So, you know, we, we came to uh, to Orlando, and then we spent some days in South Beach, you know, um, you know Miami. Nice. Right, nice. right. So, you know, those are good memories. So was that the bug that, that bit you to, to want to move here? Did you, or were you like, I want to go home and, you well, know? You know, uh, really, the reason, um, you know, in years later, um, the Venezuelan government, because, uh, you know, the, the country is a very, it used to be a very rich oil country. Mm, right. Um, so they, there was, they have this, uh, they created this scholarship program that was called um, uh, Mariscal de Ayacucho. So this scholarship program sent to the United States 50,000 students. Oh, wow. To professionalize them. Uh, because the universities in Venezuela, they didn't have, you know, master degrees and PhDs. And so um, I was selected as one of those scholars. Wow. So I came to the United States. I knew how to read and how to write English, but I didn't, I didn't know how to speak Interesting. And, and how to listen. Interesting. So, you know, um, I came with my husband as well. Um, and then we went to um, to Case Western Reserve University. They have an ESL program. So we arrived in this uh, ESL program. And then, you know, I was, um, I, I had to tell you the story because, you know, it's an anecdote. Um, so I went to this, um, to to take my placement test, right, you know, for English. Um, so, you know, when I, I, I got there, I, I, I took my test and, and then I gave my test to the person that was proctoring the test. And then I and then she looked at me and she's speaking. I didn't know. I have no clue what she was saying. Right. And then she was just showing the, the test. So I got 98 over 100, oh. but I did not know what she was saying. I have no clue. And she said. It, for me, right now, I, maybe she was saying, how this happened, you see? Right, right, right. So, you know, they, they customized a program for me. Mm. So and uh, so they asked me to come every day at 9 o'clock in the morning to watch soap operas. No. Really? <laughs> That's <laughs> crazy. General Hospital, really? one day to mm. leave, all of them. And then at noon, that was, you know, they wanted me to to learn the dialogues. 
that happen in the soap operas, you know, how people speak to right, each other. Right, right. Um, and then uh, and, and then at noon, I was taken to the to the listening lab. I have they gave me the lyrics of Frank Sinatra songs. And then they put me my headphones, <laughs> and then there was, you know, the, it was Frank Sinatra singing. Wow. So, and I was following the lyrics of Frank Sinatra. Wow. They, you know, the, the, the presumption was that Frank Sinatra has a very good pronunciation of English. Um, and that was the reason that, you know, they decided that probably that was, you know, the best way for me to learn That's how to so speak the language. I know that it, maybe it's a cliche. I, I, I speak with an accent, which I don't care. Um, I, I think it becomes part of your brand. Of course. You know, for, for many years. I, but I have to say, I learned this language when I was 29. Wow. So uh, I, if my children are perfect bilingual sure. uh, because they learned the language, you know, when they were very little. Um, you know, no accent. They move from one language on, to another perfectly well. They speak more than two languages. And, a, you know, very pro-bilingualism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Uh, so, you know, when I'm teaching at the university, I said, this is what you're going to get from me. No more than that. You know, you take it or leave it, right? <laughs> so what, what was that like then after? I mean, you go to school in Venezuela to be a teacher. You come here. What was the idea for you to start teaching right away here? Or? Well, you know, I from from um, uh, from Cleveland, I completed my my ESL program and I went they, I was placed in Tennessee. Oh, okay. So I went to University of Tennessee for, for my master's degree. No way. It's exactly. like volunteers, you know, huh? I know. You know, <laughs> so from there, then I went back home. I work um, uh, home uh, at the uh, university level. Okay. There. And then um, eight years later, um, I was just, you know, reading the newspaper and I saw in the newspaper there was uh, a scholarship called Fulbright. That was um, um, advertised by the um, American Embassy. Okay. So you know, I said, well, I have you know my master's degree. I think I'm, um, I, I like to apply, you know, for for my for my PhD. But then the, this uh, scholarship was only for master's degree. But I mm-hmm. said, you know what, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna apply, and then I I will propose then to see you know if I can get it. So that's exactly what I did. Uh, there was, you know, this um, the the scholarship is called Fulbright Laspau because it's related to Latin American scholars, mm. um, and it's hosted. It's really housed in Harvard University, so you know there was the Harvard people were sitting there, and then uh, there was eleven of us. Uh, we have already taken the test and all the things, and you know the English test. I went in, and then they said, "What are you doing here? Because you know you you have already a master's degree." And I said, "Ah, because I have a plan for you." And, wow. they, and they look at me and say, what? You know, we kind of, you know, they were. <laughs> Who did she, this woman thinks she is. <laughs> they were kind Good of laughing. You, and I said, I said, yeah, you know, I, 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 I can tell you that I, I think I'm able to do, you know, two years of all the coursework and then um, for my PhD. And after that, um, I can go back home, um, do my dissertation there, and then I can come back, you know, just to defend my dissertation. Wow. And they look at me and say, no, this is only for master's degree. <laughs> and I said, okay, you know, there are many candidates outside that really, you know, any of them really are very eligible for this. Uh, goodbye, goodbye, buenos dias, bye-bye. Okay, and I left. So that was uh, the beginning of December um, uh, 1979, right. And then I, w- uh, I went home. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. That was 1989, oh, 89. Okay. So I went home and then uh, my, in my birthday, February 3rd, 
I got a phone call from the American embassy. And then the person said to me, Anna, do you still have the same plan that you proposed? And I said, yes. I'm going to tell you, Tony, I have never shared this one by that time with my husband. So I was just getting into this, um, you know, this scholarship without telling him that I was coming to the United States. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said, yeah, yeah, of course. You know, say, okay, well, you got it. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. So um, I, um, of course, you know, immediately after I, I have to take my husband, right? Right, you know, right. And, and he said, okay, well, you leave. And then, uh, you know, I, I stay with, with I, and I have a little one. Oh, you know, he, wow. he was already, well, he, yeah, he was already uh, six, seven years old. Oh, no way. So, and then I said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, I'm going to do anything. You, you, you got to come with me. So, and, 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 and then, you know, uh, I think at the American embassy, they understood, you know, the separation of families not, was not really what they, they want with the Fulbright program. Um, so my, my ex-husband came uh, with me and we went together to Western Michigan University. Oh, wow. Um, so, Mustangs, right? Right. <laughs> so it, it was, it, you know, uh, Kalamazoo is in my heart. Oh, right. That's, that's, that's a, what place. a great story. Though. I know. It's, you know, and after that, oh, well, the day that I arrived in Kalamazoo, I have never seen in my life so much snow. I'm telling you. And I said, my God, but what I was thinking, I'm coming from <laughs> 90 degrees right? every day, 365 a day, a, a year. And then I'm here. Come on. So, um, so there was a lot of snow. Um, and then I didn't know what really uh, Fulbright was. And that's another piece. Uh, you know, I went to see the chairperson. I got there. And then, you know, the, the administrative assistant said to me, um, um, Anna, uh, you know, the chairperson is, uh, is uh, waiting for you. And I said, oh, my God, waiting for me? They said, yeah. And I said, okay. So I went to see him. And I said, oh, let me walk you to your office. And I said, an office? I, I was just a student, right? Yeah. An office. You know, I went to see my office, and I have an office, and I have a telephone, and wow. I have a fax, and, <laughs> wow. and I have a place to put my jacket, right? <laughs> All right. So in the evening when I went back home, uh, since my um, husband was, you know, going to school with me, I said, did you get your office? And I said, no, I didn't get any office. Oh, uh, maybe they're going to give it to you tomorrow. So the time passed by. He never got an office. And that was when I realized, because every time that I went to, to the first day of my classes, mm -hmm. when I was inside the, um, the classroom, you know, um, that the first thing that you do is, you know, you introduce yourself, right? So I was introducing myself and I said, you know, I'm Ana Gil Garcia coming from Venezuela. I have a child, um, you know. And then, the, and then the professor said, and what else? And I said, I you know, I was thinking, what else should I say? You know, and and then the professor said, and Anna is a Fulbright scholar. Oh. So, and it happened three times mm. in three different courses. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to tell you the very last night. Um, you know, because I have I, my classes were evening classes. I went directly to the library. I wanted to know what was Fulbright, and I wanted to know what is the big trouble that you are. <laughs> So it's when I realized, uh, you know, the prestige mm. and, um, you know, of this, um, you know, scholarship. This yeah. is the flagship uh, scholarship uh, wow. in the world, right? Wow. Um, you know, we have um, 
I, more than 80 uh, presidents has, that has been Fulbright. Wow. Um, um, we have, you know, um, almost 90 Nobel Prizes who have been Fulbrighters. Wow. Um, you know, it's a very, uh, you know, unique position. And, and uh, uh, you know, when I graduated from um, in uh, Western West Michigan, Michigan, right, uh, the president at the graduation time, uh, he selected uh, me, you know, to just to speak about myself. You know, I was, that's incredible. Right. I know. Uh, and uh, later on, I went back home because Fulbright uh, really asked you to return. Mm, I, I went see. back and I, I complied with, you know, the regulations of the of the scholarship. And I went back. I work at the university there. I worked for about, you know, three years. And then, um, uh, but I, I used to come to for to do research, you know, with some other colleagues here in the United States. And um, so, and then uh, Northeastern made an offer to me uh, to bring me to um, to Chicago. Really? Right. That's amazing. Right. So, you know, and I said, you know, I, I, I'll take it. And uh, yeah, you know, in, in that point. And that's where you spent the majority of your Exactly. Career, yeah. So, you know, I, I've been in Chicago for 26 years already. Wow. Now, St. Augustine calls you, right? Because you had, you had retired from Northeastern, right? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, so tell you know, me, I know. My life is so, you, you know, I, sometimes I think uh, when, I, when you're asking this question, I say, oh, my God, I'm just navigating my own life. Right. In, in something that, you know, I, I don't think that any human being stop and think about the things that, that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. unless somebody asks that question Absolutely. and then, you know, you start just to say, oh, OK. So yeah. and, and, and when you think about that, right, and you think about because Latinas right now are the most up and coming you know, subculture. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I say that it's a subculture because obviously you know, Latinas are something that are usually here in the United States. That's what you hear. Right. You're in Venezuela, you're Venezolanos and you're exactly. Venezolanos. And right. so same thing. And, and, and that's how I look at this is something that you are a pioneer and something that. For a lot of us from different backgrounds who, you know, whether we be uh, children uh, of immigrants, you know, be the immigrants and have children here, what is it that you try to share or instill in others, in Latinas here in, in Chicago and beyond, but that as part of your story to encourage people to, to aspire for more, right? That it's possible. Like you just said, you're in the company of Nobel, you know, prize winners. And uh, um, and I was the president of the, the Fulbright Association here in Chicago. Wow. See? Um, yeah. But you have experience on all of them. I know. Bit, and right know? now I'm still in the, in the board, you know, no I'm a board way. member, a board amazing. director member, right? right. So, um, you know, that's, that's a good question. I, I think uh, one of the things that I have to say is uh, I've been very, very, you know, pro-Latina, mm-hmm. um, very pro-female, uh, especially because I I do believe that, you know, we have to switch, that um, we have sometimes to to change, you know, that, that ship that we have, that we cannot do it. Yep. And, and uh, you know, when I've seen, when, every time that I identify a Latina that is sitting in my classroom, um, I, I don't teach any longer, you know, but, mm-hmm. you know, when I was teaching, I taught... Um, uh, um, a school, uh, I taught teachers that were going to be school principals. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, that was really what, what I was preparing. In so they were already teachers. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. All, you know, all, um, uh, you know, older people, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and then, but one of the things that, you know, when I came to Northeast, they really, I, when I came to Northeast, I was the only Latina for 11 consecutive oh. years in the college of education. What? Exactly. 
Yeah. Wow. So and, I'm and, sure it's very and, different now. And later on, you know, the the Northeastern became um, a Hispanic serving institution mm-hmm. because that classification is uh, is given by the federal government when you have at least 25 percent of the uh, the population at the undergrad level are Latinos. I didn't realize that. Right. So you know, Northeastern is is um, is a Hispanic serving institution. San Agustin College is a Hispanic serving right, institution. Right, right. Um, UIC is a Hispanic serving institution. Oh, I didn't realize you know, that. You know, uh, U of I, you know, there are many. Uh, Interesting. Uh, 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 when you reach to that point of 25%, and it's not difficult because remember, you know, Latinos are the, the you know, the fastest growing population. That's in our the population United here exactly. in Chicago is almost, what, 22%? <laughs> so oh that's God, just the exactly. city, right? Yeah. Right. You know, one of the things that I realized, you know, when I was uh, teaching at the beginning, in my beginnings in, in Northeastern was I didn't see people like me. Yeah. That was one thing. Secondly, I didn't see anybody in my classroom like me. Mm. And that really worries me because yeah. when I start checking the number of Latino kids in CPS, you know, in Chicago public, public schools, I realized that, you know, the uh, it was really growing fast. So, um, and I said, where are the Latino teachers going that they're not coming to this program? And then when I checked the numbers, in the statistics about, uh, you know, how many um, uh, Latino principals in the city, extremely small. I bet. And then the teachers, not even there. So And probably just in the Latino community, not uh, even uh, anywhere outside, right? Exactly, exactly. And I said, you know, this is, uh, so I took that as my, as my flag, as my mission. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I I have to do something about that. So, um, I went to my to see my my chairperson, and she was a pretty open um, a woman, white woman, and and I said, you know, um, if there is any way that we can really create a, a master degree to recruit Latinos, and she said, and I don't think that we can do that, but I'm gonna let you to recruit personally and your own. So we are not changing any program. We are not doing anything different in the in the curriculum because that implies, you know, many internal regulations, but. You know, if that is your interest, do it. Well, I'm going to tell you, Tony, I graduated. Uh, I, I recruited in the city. I graduated the first cohort that was, you know, a, around 22 Latinos. And then I went for the second one. And then I went for the third one. And I had to stop in my third one because, you know, there was this. I was going through my tenure process, which is one of the, the ugliest process that any faculty mm-hmm. in higher education go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, you know what? I need to secure first my Your tenure. My tenure, uh, because that was since I was the only Latina, uh, I was really becoming very threatening for people. Absolutely, you see? Yeah, absolutely. You know, oh my yeah, gosh, she's yeah, just yeah. growing all this. And then there was, you know, this comment among my my colleagues. Well, you know, if we have a program for Latinos, we have to have one for Chinese and for Arabs and whatever, whatever. And I said, well, but Latinos are the only ones. You know, I didn't say anything. I need to keep myself quiet. Because we said in the in our community, calladita te ves más bonita, you know, just <laughs> quiet. <laughs> you gotta be careful because you know I, I was in the process of you know just getting my stability at university. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, as soon as I got, I was um, I got my my tenure. Um, I said, this is it. I'm free of obligations here. My mouth is gonna be open from now on, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I I help to bring. Um, more Latinos in um, to Northeastern, 
um, I, I opened um, master degrees in the community. I went to schools and with Latino principals uh, here in, in Chicago, they helped me to open right there in the community, you know, those master degree. And uh, so we, I, I, I feel good about that That's somehow. That's amazing. That's amazing. I helped, you Absolutely know, just, amazing. just to create, you know, uh, at least to increase the number of, yeah. the, of the Latino principals in, in the city. That's so right? amazing. That's so amazing. And tell me about the, the foundation then. Like, I mean, that's, you know, it's what incredible stories that you do, <laughs> but obviously you're helping so many people and then you open this nonprofit. You know, what was the inspiration behind that? Oh, well, um, well, one of the things that I have, let me close the other one. M- mentoring Latinas has always been in my in my heart, in my mind. I have, I, I think I've been very lucky to to be called even a mentor, you know, for for people that I never knew that I, that they thought that was that I was a mentor for them. Yeah. Right? And they came, they come to me and say, oh, this is my mentor. And I said, oh, okay, you know, thank <laughs> you, thank you for that. And actually. Uh, two years ago, there was a, a book uh, that was written across the across the the globe, and they selected twenty five mentors, and I was one of those um, Congratulations. mentors in that book. Um, you know, along with uh, people from the Middle East, from here, there, anyway. So you know, I I, I feel very good about that. Um, yeah, you know, the, I, when I came to Chicago, uh, Tony, there was no Venezuelans in Chicago, right? We were about 60 Venezuelans probably wow. in Chicago. Um, that was 26 years ago. And, and you know, when we went to the consulate, they said, oh, there is this list of names, you know, the people here uh, who are Venezuelans, if you would like to, you know, just to meet them. I said, okay, fine. And that was it. Of course, you know, Tim, uh, 1999 came. Uh, Chavez uh, got into power, and then uh, you know the the uh, the whole country that used to be the icon of democracy in Latin America and one of the most progressive countries. Um, you know, really everything went down. Okay, um, my family refused to leave. Like many, um, you know, we have many, many, many uh, seven million uh, Venezuelans. Uh, fled the country. Wow. Uh, they are not in the country wow. anymore. Wow. Seven million? Seven millions, yeah. And and it's growing. So And I'm sure they went everywhere. Oh, everywhere. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Colombia has two million right now. Um, oh. You know, Peru has a million and something. You know, so Latin America, in the Latin American countries, and not only they they left the country, they walk from country to country. Yeah. Okay, so they are called the caminantes, the workers. Mm. So the situation has been um, uh, worsening more and more. Um, so, but um, but then, you know, still my mother feels that she's very safe in the island, right? Mm. You know, we have this comfort zone because we, we we feel like, yes, we are Venezuelans, but you know what? I'm in the, I'm in the island. Esta yeah, isla, yeah. you know, is mine. Yeah. Right. So um, my sisters are there. Unfortunately, the younger population, the younger professionals left. So I was the only one in Chicago for many, many years, many years with my two kids. Um, and then now I have a niece, two nieces. I, you know, their husband, um, they're here. Uh, I don't have anybody here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, wherever you go, yeah, you yeah. know, there is one of person, course. you know, that you, uh, that you relate to. Um, 
I, I, you know, when when Chavez came to power, I have to say, uh, you know, since uh, the the consul didn't know anybody in the city. Uh, of course, they needed to have um, people when it was the election because one of the things that we have to be, uh, I don't, you know, maybe the world is not grateful to Chavez, but at least, you know, that he made sure that Venezuelans who were living in uh, in the overseas, they were able to vote mm. for the presidency. Mm. Okay. So, you know, when the elections came, um, uh, so the consul could call me and said, because he knew that I was a university professor, and I said, you know, we will need to have somebody from the opposition. He made the assumption immediately that I was from the opposition party. And I said, great, because I'm not Chavista, which is true. And so, you know, I I helped with other Venezuelans that I, that I met here to organize elections. Oh, wow. I also, um, you know, when they had, um, you know, in any electoral process, um, I was present. Wow. And and then, um, because there are seven, uh, they, they, it used to be, you know, eight um, states uh, in the Midwest state that were part of the consulate of, of in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So um, usually it was something like, you know, the, when we had an, an election, there was uh, no more than 1,200, uh, you know, people coming to vote. So, um, the, but then in, in 2014, you know, we never saw the need to group to create any association or to create uh, an organization because it, 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 does, it really didn't feel like it was needed, mm-hmm. right? And, and then they were arriving more and more in, in Miami. Of course, you know, the calorcito, right? The, the, the warm uh, weather there. Um, I said, oh, they're not going to come to Chicago. Okay, you know, the weather here is not really bad. <laughs> so, but then, uh, well, in 2014, 2015, then the situation get worse in, in, in Venezuela. Then we saw, um, so then uh, uh, in Chicago, suddenly I got people who, um, you know, friends from Mexico, friends from Guatemala, friends from everywhere, you know, that I have. And they said, Anna, I was in the, in this restaurant and there was a person serving the table that really speak like you. <laughs> and I said, oh, really? Yeah, the same accent in Spanish. And I said, okay. So, and then another person said, oh, I was in, um, um, in the train and there was somebody who spoke like you. Okay. You know, that was when I realized that they were coming to Chicago. Yeah. Right. So 2016, um, we were able to, there was a referendum that was done in the country and, and we organized here in Chicago the referendum. And uh, by that time, that was when we realized that we had only people who came to vote in the referendum was 5,450 wow. in the state of Illinois. Wow. Those, those that came we opened nine places to vote, you know, nine polling places, mm-hmm. and and they came to um, for the referendum. And uh, so, uh, at ten o'clock in the morning, we were prepared for almost a thousand people. We were never prepared, you know, for that for, many, yeah, yeah. right? And it was when, when we realized, you know, this is this is our control. We need to do something about that. So I invited people to my house in four consecutive Sundays for a breakfast to talk about what to do. Next, you know, with this uh, new arrival, the community, right. exactly with this community, um, and that's when we created the Illinois Venezuelan Alliance. Wow! It has four pillars: uh, it has an educational uh, pillar, it has a political pillar. We know that we are a five one c three. We can we cannot really um, do 
uh, politics, but the advocacy level, we can do that, Absolutely. you know, in Congress with politicians and so forth. Um, uh, we have the humanitarian aid. We provide um, uh, uh, help, not only people here who are arriving here in Chicago, but also, you know, people in Venezuela. Uh, we have sent boxes of, of, of food and medicines and, um, you know, whatever it takes. Uh, whatever to, you can help. Exactly. Right? Whatever we can help. Right? That's amazing. Right. That's really amazing. I mean, so many good things that you're doing. And just another example of why you know, the, <clears throat> the honor is ours to have you here and to be able not only to share your story, but the, the amazing things you're doing. You know, and if you're out there listening and, and you want to get involved and you want to help or you just want to, you know, reach out and just let her know that she's doing a great job. You can reach out to Anahid by uh, filling out the form below and she'll get that directly in her email. But Anahid, thank you so much for sharing your story and for everything you do for others. <laughs> well, I, I think when you do things not expecting, uh, you know, that somebody say gracias to you, mm -hmm. you know, you just do it because, you know, you think that that's the right thing to do. Well, you're doing okay, the right yeah. thing. Uh, and I, 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 I feel every day that uh, I'm very, very, very grateful to the other communities in Chicago because uh, I believe that the Mexicans opened the door for us. Mm. I do believe that any other uh, population, you know, of immigrant, they opened the door for us. Absolutely. Um, we, uh, we are probably the newest um, immigrant community, and um, so we have a lot to learn. Uh, when uh, recently, you know, finally the Venezuelan community received the TPS, the Temporary Protected Status. That was something that we fought for five years. And finally we received that, you know, from President Biden. Um, it was something like, you know, we realized that Salvadorians have had for many, many, many years that people from Nicaragua, that Honduras, you know, uh, there are 15 countries that they have the TPS. Mm. And very recently, only two weeks ago, the Ukrainians has been given the TPS. It's a temporary protected status for 18 months. But now, you know, all the evidence is, is, is guiding us to see that it's going to be renewed. Nice. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it and look forward to the next time. Right. So, you know, thank you to you, you know, just for this time. <laughs>